You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. As you mature and grow, you'll learn more how to be a chameleon for Christ. Fit in with whoever you're with. I'm not talking about moral issues, being immoral, but things that are non-essentials. Don't make a big deal out of it. Look for opportunities to share the important message, the gospel, Jesus Christ. Learn to be a chameleon. Sometimes in this life, you've got to learn to be a chameleon for the Lord. In today's message from Pastor Danny, he teaches the importance of winning people to Jesus. With the people you're trying to reach for the gospel, find areas of common ground. Look for ways to connect and to relate with them that will later provide you with an opportunity to share the good news with them. Pastor Danny encourages you that this is one of the ways you mature and grow in your faith. Be diligent in sharing Christ with others. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 10 as he continues his message, Essentials for a Successful Evangelistic Ministry. difficult people to reach with the gospel message they are self-righteous people and sometimes people who are zealous for God they believe in God they believe in the Bible they go to church but as we talked about recently on the weekend they've never been born again because they they're depending on their own righteousness to make it and you'll never make it that way most difficult people to reach with the gospel. Look with me just quickly. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse 31. Right in the middle of verse 31, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. It's a Jewish crowd. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. What's the point of that passage? Again, the people that are easiest to reach are the people that know they're not righteous. They know they got a problem. They know they're messed up. They're sinners. So, Paul's desire for people to be saved was intense. The most difficult people that he went to was the people of his own race, the Jewish people, because so many of them, they sought to establish their own righteousness. Now, third thing I put in this section, 
And here's what we can't miss. Because whether somebody is self-righteous or uh, an outright rebel, doesn't matter. The message to both is the same. And we better keep it the same. The gospel is simple. Paul opened Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. Acts chapter 4, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, the name of Jesus. It's a simple message. Jesus, God loves you. Jesus died for you. If you'll believe in him, receive him as Lord and Savior, you'll be saved. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Salvation. I'll never get tired of reading the story of the thief on the cross that turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Just those simple words. And he's at the point of death. And Jesus turning back to him and saying, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Acts 16, Philippian jailer rushes in. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Simple. Don't ever lose the simplicity of the gospel message. So, desire for people to be saved. Do you have a desire for people to be saved? I was so zealous when I first became a Christian. There have been times in my Christian life where I've lost that zeal. There have been periods in my Christian life I wasn't nearly as zealous for people to be saved. The last section, chapter 10. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one they have not heard? How can they hear without someone telling them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? Here's the last part, and we'll spend most of our time on it. Tremendous need for what I'm calling here gospel workers, and I call them gospel workers because of Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And what Jesus said as he sends out some of his first disciples to share the good news. Luke chapter 10, after this, verse 1, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two. He first sent his 12 apostles, now he's sending more. He sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The harvest is plentiful. In other words, people are there for the picking. People are there ripe for the gospel. God just got to have people that are willing to go. So here's what I want to give you. From that, here's my springboard to the rest of the message. Essentials for a successful evangelistic ministry. That's the way a preacher would say it. Essentials for a successful evangelistic ministry, sharing the gospel. You say, wait a minute, I'm not called to be a preacher. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait a minute. You may not be called to stand on a stage like this. You may not be called to pastor a church, but what's called the Great Commission, it's for everybody, for every Christian, going to all the world. And so what's the first thing? Well, from our text, you got to be willing to be sent. I looked up what it means to be sent. Here's what it means. Ordered to a particular destination or 
in a particular direction. I love the record of Isaiah. In chapter 6, he has a vision of the Lord. And he sees the Lord high and lifted up on his throne. Verse 2, these angelic beings are crying out. Verse 3, to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Before someone is going to be sent, they need to have an encounter with God. Isaiah does here. What kind of an encounter? Verse 6. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Holiness of God seizes sin, and now salvation. Salvation. He has experienced atonement, forgiveness. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. And then it's interesting, verse 8. Then Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And in the context, who's going to go tell others about the forgiveness, about salvation, glad tidings, peace, good news? And have you ever thought, if you've seen this passage before, that the Lord doesn't just direct it to Isaiah? He doesn't say, Isaiah, Will you go for me? No. The Lord is just speaking. He's not addressing Isaiah directly. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah, when he hears the Lord asking the question, he said, Here I am. Hey, you you consider me? Here I am. Send me. There's got to be a willingness. I'll never forget I mean, it's like it was yesterday, and I, I, get, I get emotional. I get Jesus bumps when I think about it because it was so real. It was not long after I had become a Christian, 19 years old, in the Baptist church that I was a part of then, and it was a Sunday night service. I don't remember what Pastor Milton Frazier preached on, but, but the invitation from his message was, Will you surrender your life? And he was talking to Christians. He wasn't giving a, a Christian, he wasn't giving an invitation to become a Christian. I'd already become a Christian. He said, Would you surrender your life? And if God will show you, would you surrender your life and go wherever He leads you? And I walked down that aisle in that Baptist church. I'd already walked down it few weeks before when I confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, and now I'm walking down it again, not to become a Christian, but to say to the Lord publicly, Lord, I'll go. I'll go anywhere. Now, look, <laughs> anywhere? That's a challenge, isn't it? Jonah, God tells Jonah, I'd like you to go to Nineveh, preach the good news. He hated the Ninevites. Didn't want to go to Nineveh. We got the whole story of Jonah and the whale now. There's got to be a willingness. And with the willingness, God wants us to count the cost. Hey, go back just for a minute to Luke, Luke's gospel, where Jesus sends these disciples out. Chapter 10, I read verses 1 and 2. 
Look what he says in verse 3. Go! Exclamation point. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Well, that's an encouraging send-off, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sending you out like sheep that are going to get eaten up by the wolves. He wants them to know. It's not an easy task. Still not an easy task for me. Count the cost. You go and share Jesus. You go and share the gospel in the world with people, and some of them are going to chew you up and spit you out. They're not going to receive. They're not going to accept. There's a third, third thing a lot of us are going to need. You know what it is? Willingness to be sent. Count the cost. Got to know how to deal with failure. Just ask Peter. Lord, I'll go and I'll be your disciple. And even if all these other 11 guys fail, not me, I'll die with you. I'll tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the cock crows, three times, you'll deny that you even know me. No way, Lord. Okay. But it happened. Peter. Peter. He failed. Failed miserably. But the failure was actually good for Peter because he learned a lesson. And as Jesus stood before those Jewish leaders just prior to the cross and Peter warming himself by the enemy's fire. The Bible tells us that at one point Jesus looked at Peter and Peter looked at Jesus and boy, the conviction came over Peter and he went out and he wept bitterly. And after that experience, after that failure, he became one of the bravest apostles. Oh, he still had his moments. He still had his moments, but he learned. And with that, you're going to come to times where, you know, I, I hit some rough spots. I, I said earlier, I had periods in my Christian life as a pastor when I had lost the zeal for sharing Christ away from church. Back in Isaiah, just for a minute, Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah says, Lord, here am I, send me. And then verse 9. The Lord said to Isaiah, go tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they must see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. What does that mean? All that means is there are going to be people, especially the Jewish people that Isaiah was sent to, like Paul, stubbornness, self-righteousness, etc., and they're just going to get calloused hearts. Even though you're preaching the right message, they just get more calloused and more hard-hearted. And so when Isaiah hears that, verse 11, then he said to the Lord, For how long, Lord? It's going to be that tough. How long? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. In other words, until judgment falls. You keep telling them, and you keep speaking to them, until judgment falls, until it's too late, you keep telling them. Persevere. And then I hope you're going to love this next point. <laughs> you're going to need prayer. And, you know, as I was putting the message together, putting the points in the right place that I thought I wanted them, I thought this could be a, a, a nine-point message. And it really is, but you'll be thankful that I 
put three of the points right underneath prayer because they're fit in with prayer. One is you better pray and ask for prayer for courage. Paul did. He said in Ephesians chapter 6, pray that I may declare the message fearlessly as I should. Fearlessly. And he says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 20, I have confidence that I'm going to keep on my courage. Keep up my courage. And he was asking the church to pray for him. You find there in the book of Acts, times that the Lord would speak to Paul. The Lord would send an angel and appear to Paul and, and encourage, encourage him. We all need it. We all need it. And so one of the separate points could be courage, but I put it under prayer. And then another one under prayer that could be a separate point, clarity, simplicity. Paul, after dealing with the smartest people in the world in Athens, the book of Acts tells us after that he goes to Corinth. When he gets to Corinth, he's, he says, I was fearful, trembling. The experience in Athens shook him up. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when I came to you, I refused to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified because I didn't want the message to rest on man's wisdom but on God's power. Again, keep it simple. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. If you'll repent and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you'll be saved. And then we need to pray for open doors. And so many reasons for that. So many reasons. We don't need to be knocking doors down. We don't need to be shoving Jesus, you know, down people's throat. You know, pray for an open door. And that's what Paul said in Colossians 4, 3. And he asked the church, pray that God would open a door for our message. And if you pray for open doors, guess what? God will give you open doors. Open doors. Last but not least, you want a successful evangelistic ministry, success in sharing the gospel with people? Seve. It means shrewdness, practical knowledge. Learn to be a chameleon for Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me read it quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this takes some time. You're not going to be like this right away necessarily. I wasn't this when I was 19 years old, young Christian there trying to share Christ with everybody, you know, and I made some mistakes. But that's okay. That's okay. But as you mature, as you mature, you learn to become a chameleon for Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look what Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Though I'm free, I belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. And what he's saying is I followed Jewish customs and tradition when I was trying to reach the Jews. I didn't show up at, at Denny's with a bunch of Jewish people and, and order bacon and eggs because they would have been offended by that and automatically they wouldn't have Listen, to those under the law became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, Gentiles, I became like one not having the law. So with Gentiles, if you know somebody offered him bacon and eggs at the house, he wouldn't make a big deal about it. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. He's talking about weak spiritually. That goes to Romans chapter 14. We don't have time to get into it, but disputable matters. And some people say, no, you can, Christian can never touch alcohol. And other people say, no, it's okay to have it as long as you're not given over to it or drunk, drunkenness. And there are all kinds of issues like that, all kinds of issues like that. And so Paul didn't make issues about things that weren't 
essentials. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So as you mature and grow, you'll learn more how to be a chameleon for Christ. Fit in with whoever you're with. I'm not talking about moral issues, being immoral, but things that are non-essentials. Don't make a big deal out of it. Look for opportunities to share the important message, the gospel, Jesus Christ. Learn to be a chameleon. And last but not least, savvy. We have to live a lifestyle that makes people attracted to the gospel. We have real issues with this in the church in our day. I mean, my goodness, people in our church still, <laughs> how can you live in sexual sin and have anything to say to anybody about Christ? Don't understand it. Don't understand it. Titus chapter 2, verse 9. Titus chapter 2, verse 9. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything to try to please them not to talk back to them, and to not steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive, attractive. And that's a principle just applies in every area of life. Jesus said in Matthew 5.13, you, talking to us, the church, you're the salt of the earth. One of the things salt is for, it, it, it creates thirst. And what it does, it creates thirst. It also brings flavor, flavor. So you're the salt of the earth. And then he goes on to say, if the, if the salt has lost its saltiness, what's it good for? What's it good for? If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what a wonderful thing to know, to know that we're going to heaven, that we're saved from hell, that we'll never experience what's called the lake of fire. And if we're truly saved, you're truly saved, man, I don't want to ever again lose the fire, lose the zeal of sharing Christ with anybody and everybody that God gives me an opportunity to share with. I don't know. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you've lost that zeal. Maybe you're afraid. You know what? It's okay to be afraid. It's not okay to give in to fear. It's okay to be afraid. not okay to let that fear keep us from doing what God's called us to do. And so my prayer as I close is that God would light a fire in each one of us, a fire for evangelism, a fire for sharing the gospel sharing Jesus with people that are lost. And not everybody's going to respond positively. Most people probably not going to respond positively. But look, our responsibility is not to see them saved. Our responsibility is not to save them. That's God's work. Our responsibility is to share with them, to share with them the greatest message anybody could ever share the message of salvation. People can be saved from damnation by us sharing with them the message of Jesus Christ. 
Thanks for joining us today to study the books of the New Testament with Pastor Danny Hodges, right here on The Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the Bible by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you in person. Join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series, New Testament Highlights, be reminded that all these books provide a glimpse into God's heart for every person. His word is like a lighthouse, showing the way for lost ships at sea. Each person is a lost ship, floundering in the dark waters until they see that beam of light that directs them back to land. Throughout scripture, Jesus is that beam of light, lighting the path to safety. Tune in next time to hear more from Pastor Danny as he teaches in the New Testament right here on The Living Word. 